Today on CityCast Boise, we're chatting about the news of the week with the Idaho Capital Sun's Kelsey Mosley-Morris and Blake Hunter with our Hey Boise newsletter. From a new investigation into a retired Boise police captain with white supremacist views to lawsuits filed by abortion rights protesters against the city. There's lots to cover, so let's get into it. It's Friday, December 2nd, 2022. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is CityCast Boise. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Blake. Thanks so much for being here. Hi. Hey, good to be here. Well, let's jump in here. Uh, Kelsey, you had this great article just come out in the Idaho Capital Sun about two abortion rights protesters who are filing tort claims against the city of Boise and Boise PD. Can you talk us through what's going on there? Yeah, this stems from May 14th when there was a Bands Off Our Bodies rally. It was came about two weeks after the leaked opinion came out that the U.S. Supreme Court was going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And a lot of people were very upset about that news and were trying to protest to um, get them to change their minds, basically. And so there was quite a big crowd out there. And it sounds like there were two um, individuals, one who goes by they, them pronouns is Mexican-American, had their two children with them and apparently was using a microphone or, or like a megaphone to say, you know, um, keep abortion legal, keep abortion safe. And it sounds like they crossed a street somewhere. And I guess Boise police were uh, seizing on them and telling them to stop using the megaphone, which from their telling, seems like it was targeted because of their gender identity and uh, the fact that they were Mexican American. I don't know the veracity of those claims, but that is what they said happened. And there were a lot of other people using megaphones. There have been always people using megaphones at protests, when, especially when big, big news happens and people are upset. And it's I'm not sure if there was physical altercation between the police and this person. Their name is Kimra Luna, but they were charged with, um, I believe Kimra's was a misdemeanor charge of resisting or obstructing officers. And I think there was something else that they might've been charged with, but both those charges were dropped by the prosecutor. And um, the other person was Christy Lynn Jordan, and she also had her son with her. And it sounds like that altercation was a little bit more physical with the police. She got upset that they were um, trying to make her move out of the, the street and saying that it was her right to stand there. And so she's, she continued to stand there. And I don't know who started the altercation, but it sounds like it got pretty physical and they like carried her to the patrol car to take her off to jail. And she was charged with a felony uh, about battery on law enforcement officers, I think, which was dropped at her preliminary hearing. But a misdemeanor charge of resisting and obstructing, I think, was, was what stuck and that's still pending in court. So both of them had these incidents on that day and they filed tort claims, which are a notice to a, a government entity that they're planning on filing a lawsuit. It's um, some of those things that they're alleging happened are, are civil in nature, like their civil um, rights. And so they don't necessarily have to file a tort claim, but some of them were. So they've given this notice within 180 days of um, 
the event that happened, which was like, it was exactly 180 days since um, May 14th when they filed this on November 10th. So they're, they're giving notice that they need to preserve evidence and all that when they eventually do file the lawsuit, which is going to allege that the police infringed on their, their rights to protest, um, which is protected by the U.S. Constitution, because they were peaceably assembling and not obstructing traffic or, or doing anything along those lines. Yeah, I, I'm wondering, Blake, what your thoughts are. Uh, Cameron Luna saying that they felt like they were targeted because they're non-binary and because of their Mexican-American and you know ethnicity. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think the thing that really sticks out to me in both of these cases, um, yeah, there's two people um, who both had their kids with them. <laughs> Um, and were arrested, like, you know, right in front of their children, which is always like, yeah, just such a, like, kind of no matter the circumstances, no matter what's going on, that's always going to be a really difficult uh, situation to be in. And then, I mean, I think it makes, like, Kimberly Luna's um, arguments make a lot of sense where they, you know, there were a lot of people using uh, amplified sound um, at that protest and at several other protests. Um, and I will also just put out there, I, you know, there's a little bit of this mentioned in the tort claim, but uh, Kimberly Luna is a leading organizer for abortion rights in Idaho right now. And I'm, I'm positive that the police know that. And I, you know, can't confirm like, you know, why they picked them. But um, that does not seem like a coincidence to me. Um, it also seems interesting that both of these cases were related to, like, where people were at in the street um, and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested to see what the answers are on this. Because, Kelsey, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're, like these tort claims are filed against the city and the city's police department. Is that correct? Correct. They they named about twenty different officers in in each short claim to um, specific individuals. And then both of these uh, both of these people came back and um, continued to lead organizing. I know Kimberly Luna like um, for sure did, um, but I can't quite imagine what that would be like, especially right in front of your kids on a matter that you care so deeply about, um, where there's protests happening across the country um, and were all this summer and uh, continue to be. So, yeah, really interested in seeing what the what the city's going to say about this. Yeah, I was interested, you know, uh, Luna's attorney had said, like, you know, this is really unusual, maybe a sign of something deeper. There are a lot of uh, protests that happen in the last few years for different things. And we very rarely see arrests of or citations of protesters. And uh, how true is that, Kelsey? Have we not seen a ton of arrests in other uh, other protests in the last few years? I think to say it's fairly uncommon is correct. Um, you know, political protests have gotten a lot hotter in the last several years than they have been in a long time. But, you know, the ones that have been high profile are the ones that involve women and um, LGBTQ issues, because we think about the AdWords arrests that happened in 2014. Um, and that that was a pretty big spectacle, too. And I I think it's worth noting that those those events are the ones where a lot of arrests are happening. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about police more in a minute, but I just do want to confirm, like, um, especially gender nonconforming and non-binary people um, do, like, face more targeted harassment from police. That does feel important to note that Kimra's um, kind of argument that that played into their arrest is certainly backed up statistically. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see that how, how that plays out and actually kind of leads us into our next topic. Let's move on to Matthew uh, Bringelson, the recently retired Boise police captain who was outed uh, recently as a contributor to white supremacist publication and possibly a conference. And Blake, I know you've been following this story really closely in our, our Hey Boise newsletter. What are your thoughts on Mayor McLean hiring an independent investigator to determine how this um, captain's, former captain's ideology impacted his police work? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not, yeah, an expert in like police investigations, um, but I am glad to see that it's an independent firm. Um, you know, there's certainly been a lot of cases where police investigate themselves. And so I'm glad to see that there's an independent former inspector general um, from the Department of Justice, Michael Bromwich, is coming in um, with his like DC based firm um, to investigate into this. And uh, the day this comes out is Friday, and so hopefully today um, the city council agenda uh, for next week's meeting um, will be coming out today and will include, you know, a, f- a few more details as far as like what this is going to cost, what the timeline they're hoping is going to be. But um, yeah, the city's not making a ton of promises as far as like what the parameters of this investigation is going to be. Um, uh, this seems to be in recent recent memory, uh, one of the strongest things that I've seen Mayor Lauren McLean really speak out against. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think like among us CityCast folks, we were talking um, on the Sunday uh, that this all really came out a couple weeks ago. We were kind of surprised that she put out something on Sunday and then right in your inbox the next Monday morning, there was there was something else as well. So yeah, she's definitely talking like she's taking this really seriously. Um, and it I think was uh, definitely symbolic to kind of have the entire city council and then the police leadership behind her yesterday in in that announcement of this investigation. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, not entire, though. Lisa Sanchez wasn't there, which I thought was interesting. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, I'd be interested to know why that is. But let's talk about Mayor McLean's uh, press conference this week. I was watching it, and I don't know if you guys caught that the first question asked was if the statistics... uh, that Bringelson had quoted uh, um, in these po- like white supremacist podcasts, if they uh, were correct. And uh, the director of community engagement, uh, Maria Wig, said, oh, that's a great question. Yeah. And I uh, I didn't feel like it was a great question. Was I the only person really bothered by that? I felt like, no, that's actually a racist question. That's not a good question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was really quite shocking to basically have everyone be up there and saying like, these beliefs are not reflected within the police department, which, you know, that that remains to be seen um, through this investigation. Like there are certain limits to what they'll be able to dig into, I'm sure. But yeah, basically, Bringleson came out and said all of this shit. And then the city is saying we're going to dive into it. And then the very first question is like, but what if he's right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who that who asked that question? Uh, I believe that it was David Pettinger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's part of the Idaho Dispatch now, which yeah. is not which, really a news outlet, but pretends yeah. to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they actually, I just found that they did confirm that it was him who asked that question. Oh, Idaho okay. Dispatch did. So, Yeah, I was just disappointed that uh, the answer wasn't, that's not a serious question. Uh, next. Yep. In fact, it was given kind of a, a more serious answer 
like while we're looking into and I was like, oh, that's a bummer. That's I, I wish that that had just been skipped over. In defense of Maria, like sometimes you don't hear a question and take it in as to what it's sure. actually asking. Yeah, totally. but, absolutely. But to your point, like it, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in, um, yeah, interim police chiefs, Ron Weiniger's response, he yeah, it was like, well, we just kind of don't really have numbers on that right now. And that's really not what this investigation is about. And it's right. like, like, yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I don't know. That's just that was really unsettling to hear. I think he did say, like, we're not looking into that as part of the yeah. investigation. Yeah. So at least there was that. Yeah. Um, one more thought just on sort of the recent ish history of BPD. Uh in the early 2000s till 2014, we had a full-time independent ombudsman, which is someone who isn't a cop who would investigate the cops. And But then from 2014 to th- 2021, we didn't have a full-time person dedicated to independent oversight. Now we have a director of police accountability who is full-time, and, and uh, they started in 2021. But I just sort of think it's sort of uh, an interesting transition over the years, especially since the investigators for that the Department of Police Accountability are uh, former law enforcement. Kelsey, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, about the transition? Not really, because I haven't, you know, followed that as closely through the years as some reporters have. But um, I do think it's hard to count on a police accountability department when it, it's not really separate from the city, especially because when there were concerns about Chief Lee and that did go to OPA, uh, they were kind of ignored. And so if you don't have city officials listening when there actually are issues to be addressed, then the people aren't going to have confidence that issues like this one will be addressed if they come up either. Um, and so I think, you know, that's why we have internal affairs or, you know, other other agencies that maybe are more outside of this jurisdiction so that when these issues arise, they're not about your friends and the people that you see every day and that you need for to do your job. You know, um, I think this is a pervasive problem in, in our judicial system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I agree with that, but just to kind of also counter that, I think there's, it's always a little bit frustrating to see when it's, you know, when police investigations are outsourced to like a different county's uh, sheriff or police department, that kind of thing, where it's just like, I mean, there's, yeah, been really well historically documented cases of um, police just kind of having each other's backs, um, especially when um, there's just kind of, yeah, there's a lot of evidence that there are a lot of white supremacists within various police departments. And that was actually one of the first things that kind of just keeps like, itching at the back of my brain is the uh, Boise Police Union's first comment afterwards, mm. like within yes. that first statement that they made was like, we are confident that all 600 um, of our officers retired and otherwise don't share these views. And it's like, well, I'm sure you would have said that two days ago. So <laughs> you yeah. can't make that promise. There was a column from, I think, the union president mm. um, where he oh, yeah. said, like, I've never seen any biased policing in my time in Boise. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? <Is> that true? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about that. Is that yeah. over 20 years? You've never seen any. Never seen it. No. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's hard to find a good solution for these things. Yeah. Well, uh, the uh, independent firm, Steptoe and Johnson, will also be uh, reviewing the police account accountability department, which could be interesting, could be something, you know? 
So that's some independent oversight. Um, well, let's lighten it up a little before we go. Kelsey, like, what are you excited about for December? Well, my birthday is December 30th. So Ooh. there is that. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> like almost New Year's. Is that kind of a bummer? Like in between yes. Christmas and New Year's? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and is everybody like, this is your Christmas present and your birthday present since yeah, you were a kid? I've, I've complained about that <laughs> enough over the years that they don't do it anymore. But uh, it's definitely like a, I'm saving my partying for New Year's kind of thing. And, you know, everybody talks about how the time between Christmas and New Year's is just a time to be lazy and do nothing. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but, but I am taking two weeks off the week before Christmas. And oh, Christmas yay. Week, so Good. That's what I'm looking forward to is taking some time before the session begins. Are you going somewhere? No. I'm just going to do a staycation. Nice. Great. That'll be perfect. Yeah. What about you, Blake? Well, when Frankie interviewed me for this job back in May, one of the first things that we talked about was that uh, CityCast has between Christmas and New Year's off, and I'm nice. so excited about that. Uh, I was raised in like a family of educators, and so I'm used to like, you know, like Christmas break, like or holiday break, like everyone has the time off, including teachers. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just really excited to kind of just hang out, uh, spend time with family. Um, I'm gonna try to kind of lean into the various holiday things I want to go up to or over to like the Caldwell Winter Wonderland and stuff like that and the Winter Garden Glow uh, just kind of try to hit all all the big ones so I'm excited what about you Emma I am excited. So wrestling season just started up for uh, one of my kids. And I'm not a sports guy. Like, uh, he did football again this year. And I, uh, as many years as I've been watching it, no idea what's going on. I just know there's hot dogs. And uh, I don't I don't really care for football too much. But wrestling is fun to watch. Like, we had a, he had a match last night. And uh, it's fierce. And it's competitive. And it's hard. And every match... The kids shake hands and then they hug and then they like tell each other good job. And I cry every single time, uh, every single time of those kids hug and show good sportsmanship waterworks. And I just love it. It's so it's like a lot of those kids have been wrestling together since they were like two and like intramural and stuff. Yeah. And there's like a lot of camaraderie. It's it's also very like uh it's it's not super gendered it's not just boys like there's a there are a lot of girls and non-binary yeah. people too and i just think it's a really fun sport and i love getting to watch him now i'm less excited they have like a big uh they're called duels and he uh he has basically 24 hours of wrestling coming wow. up this weekend <laughs> and i'm gonna have to be <sighs> sitting at capitol high or i think i think one of them's over at mountain view too so basically you spend like 12 hours a day sitting waiting for your kid to wrestle and it's a long couple of days, but I do love it. Yeah. I was going to say, no offense to the wrestlers out there. We might have to check in with you in about yeah, two yeah. months and see how those hot dogs are doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. February, I'll be like, I hate wrestling. I hate it. But I always have a good time and it's fun to watch. You know, I feel like it's it's always cool to see coaches that are not about winning and losing and more about building character with kids and teaching them camaraderie and stuff. So I always have a really good time doing that. Um, and like Blake said, I'm very excited for a week off. I'm going to laze it up and just like watch Star Trek and play World of Warcraft like the <laughs> true nerd that I am. So that's what I'm excited about. Well, Kelsey, Blake, thank you both so much. This has been really fun and really interesting. And I hope you have a wonderful birthday, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Frankie Barnhill and Evelyn Avitia. 
Our Hey Boise newsletter writer is Blake Hunter, and I'm Emma Arnold. Our music is by All the Kimonos and local band Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We'll be back Monday with more from around the city. Bye.